Good morning, and welcome back after a long holiday weekend. It's Monday, November 30th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. The pandemic is hitting us hard right now. So far, more than 266,000 people in the U.S. have died of COVID-19. This weekend, roughly 91,000 people across America were in hospital beds being treated for COVID. And on Sunday, Dr. Anthony Fauci was on Meet the Press warning we still don't know what kind of impact Thanksgiving gatherings are going to have on case numbers. What we expect, unfortunately, as we go for the next couple of weeks into December, that we might see a surge superimposed upon that surge that we're already in. States and cities are really trying to get this under control, and some places are imposing new COVID-related restrictions. Los Angeles County has some of the strictest. The Los Angeles Times has all the details, and if you don't live together, you can't get together. Today, almost all gatherings of people from different households are mostly banned. There are new limits on the number of people allowed inside stores and businesses. Some playgrounds are now off limits, too. Yeah, and the L.A. Times says for the past few months, people in L.A. mostly accepted COVID-related rules and restrictions. But now, nine months into the pandemic, so many people are just fed up. Some were already upset that outdoor dining was suspended last week. And now the closing of playgrounds is frustrating for a lot of parents. A lot of residents say these recent changes were the last straw. Yeah, but Shemita, L.A. County says it needs to act aggressively to flatten this latest curve. And like we heard Dr. Anthony Fauci say earlier, the county is waiting to see the impact of the Thanksgiving weekend. How many people traveled and gathered in large groups, Black Friday shopping? At one L.A. mall, social media videos showed long lines with hundreds of shoppers in nearly full parking lots. L.A. Times reporters describe it like Disneyland people waiting in line for hours for a few minutes of fun. Mm. The county health director tells the LA Times, if people don't follow these new guidelines, Los Angeles could soon be in an even more dire health crisis. And that overwhelming the healthcare system is, quote, a disaster that we have to avoid at all costs. Jane Sandoval is a nurse in California. She's 58 years old, and she's a big fan of the San Francisco 49ers. And watching sports has been a helpful escape for her in these past few months. But there's one thing that's been gnawing at her, that the same athletes she loves to root for have way easier access to COVID testing than frontline healthcare workers. The Washington Post has an article that zeroes in on how COVID testing works in the sports world versus how it works for healthcare professionals. The Post reports, earlier this month, registered nurses in Los Angeles were protesting because of an apparent lack of access to tests. UCLA's athletic department administered more than 1,200 tests in a week for its athletes and coaches, while healthcare workers at UCLA's hospitals were denied testing. Yeah, and just look at Major League Baseball. It conducted 170,000 tests during its season. And the NFL so far has administered more than three times that amount. But National Nurses United, which is the largest nursing union in the country, surveyed more than 15,000 of its members. And about two-thirds of them said that they'd never been tested. 
Some members told the union they were instructed to keep working while they waited for test results, which can take days. Yeah, that's been Jane Sandoval's experience. She's a California nurse we spoke about earlier. She told the Washington Post, in the eight months she's been working with patients who have confirmed or suspected COVID-19 cases, she never got a coronavirus test. In a written statement, her employer told the Washington Post, it does make tests available if a healthcare worker is high risk or experiencing symptoms. This discrepancy between how athletes and healthcare workers are being treated seems to come down, at least in part, to money. Many hospitals and healthcare providers just don't have the resources that sports leagues do. Sandoval says every time that she's suspected that she's been exposed, she self-monitors, she loads up on vitamin C and zinc, and just hopes the scratchiness in her throat goes away. The Trump campaign keeps challenging the results of the presidential election, and they're not just seeing loss after loss in the courts. There are now signs that this could hurt the chances of Republicans winning Georgia's two outstanding Senate seats. That's right. Republican incumbents in Georgia, Senators David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, are repeating Trump's false claims of voter fraud in their state. And they've been saying the secretary of state in Georgia, who's a Republican, should resign. The governor, Brian Kemp, is a Republican, too, and he used to have President Trump's support until recently. Here's the president on Fox News this weekend. The governor's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. I'm ashamed that I endorsed him. To be clear, Republican officials in the state have repeatedly said there's no evidence of fraud. And, you know, election workers are now counting the ballots for a third time, even though the state certified their election results over a week ago. Mm -hmm. So far, each count showed a clear and decisive victory for Joe Biden. NPR spoke to one Republican strategist in Georgia who's concerned that Republican messaging is undermining faith in the electoral system, and it could lead to poor voter turnout. One example of this, NPR spoke to a person who's a Trump supporter in Georgia who says she's wary of voting in the January race because she believes the November election was unfair. NPR spoke with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, He's urging Republicans, instead of feuding with each other, turn your attention to fighting Democrats. I'm sure the Democrats have just gone out and bought a box of popcorn and watching and enjoying the show. President-elect Biden has been busy naming top Democrats to key roles in his cabinet and administration. He's tapped longtime aide Tony Blinken as Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan for National Security Advisor, and John Kerry as Climate Envoy. And yesterday he announced his communications staff will be made up of all women. And soon he's expected to nominate Neera Tandon to run the Office of Management and Budget. Another personnel announcement that has no known policy implications, but is generating some excitement among animal lovers. The Bidens gave the scoop first to CBS News that they plan to bring a cat to the White House, and it will join their two German shepherds, Champ and Major. This is going to be the first time a cat is back in the White House since India, George W. Bush's cat. And before that, there was the iconic Sox, who was in the Clinton administration. Remember that cat? Sox the cat. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. 